my first year in Bible school, I was 17. I moved 1,000 miles away from home to Oklahoma. When I got there, I found out that there weren't a whole lot of people that were like me. There were a lot of people in this Bible school that were very religious and, in my opinion, pretty stuffy. Uh, but it was an amazing school, and I wanted to be in ministry, and I wanted to do amazing things for God. But I, just to be honest, I was anything but religious or stuffy. But it was where I felt like I should be, and so I obeyed, and I went there. And when I got there, it was not necessarily my cup of tea socially, okay? So most of the time, I just kind of stayed to myself. I was somewhat of a loner. But I remember about six months in, I remember driving home from work and thinking to myself, or actually, I thought I was thinking to myself, but I remember thinking, I don't have any friends. I don't really know anybody. I pretty much work, sleep, go to school. I was putting myself through school. And I was just, I was asking myself, why am I not lonely? I don't feel lonely. I don't hang out with anybody. I don't really know anybody. Why am I not lonely? And then it dawned on me, I wasn't talking to myself. I was actually praying. I was talking with the Holy Spirit. And it had actually become such a habit that we had become friends. And so today, we're going to begin a four-week series, and it's called Third Person, and we're going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, there's ever an area in the church today that there's confusion, anxiety, controversy, disagreement. It's this area. And so what we want to do is just set the record straight as far as we're concerned, what we believe about who the Holy Spirit is, what His role in our lives is. And this is my prayer during this series, okay, is that we are all going to realize that even though there's been a lot of misrepresentation, a lot of goofiness, to be honest, associated with the Holy Spirit, that the Bible actually presents a whole different picture of him. And so here's what I need from you guys, okay? Regardless of your history, I just need you to give me a blank page for four weeks. Can you do that? Just throw out your preconceived notions and maybe places where you've seen abuse or, you know, you thought, man, that's weird. I don't want to do that. I just want you to throw all that out, okay, for this series. And we're going to go straight to the Bible because what I've discovered is that when you look at the Bible fresh and you, you kind of give him a blank slate, give it to God's word, you're going to discover this about the Holy Spirit. He is, uh, he, you're going to want to know him. You're going to want to be close to him. And I think you're going to enjoy this, all right? So if maybe you're one of those that just think, yeah, the Holy Spirit, like I think I'm going to take this month off, you know? I don't really understand that very well. Listen, you're not the only one. Even in the Bible, there were people that when it came to the Holy Spirit, they were like, yeah, we don't know about that. And I'm going to show you that right off the bat. In Acts 19, uh, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived to Ephesus. So they end up at Ephesus. Ephesus was a little town that was in modern day Turkey, okay? So it says there they found some disciples. So these were Jesus followers. These were people that were following Jesus. And it says that he asked them uh, a very interesting question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's their response. was like, we don't know what you're talking about. No, we never even heard of a Holy Spirit. And today, that's kind of a lot of people's response. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really know a lot about the Holy Spirit. I know about the Father, I know about the Son, but I've got a lot of misconceptions 
we've got a lot of misconceptions as to who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And that's a problem for us. Because as we're going to discover in a little while, the Holy Spirit is actually here. He's here to help you. How many of you need some help? (laughs) I could use a little help in my life right now. And the Holy Spirit is, that's what he was supposed to do. What he is supposed to do is to walk through us and help us. But we've got some misconceptions about him. So let's talk about that. One of the main misconceptions that people have about the Holy Spirit is that we think he's an it. He's a him, not an it. He's not this cosmic wisp. It's not like the force. These are not the droids that you're looking. That's not him. Okay? The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a him. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, in some people's minds, it's actually painted a very different picture because the King James Version uses the word Holy Ghost, right? Holy Ghost gives us this idea sometimes that he's not really a person, but he's a ghost. Boo! Most people are scared of ghosts, like, I ain't doing ghosts. I don't do ghosts. Well, he's not that, okay? He is a person, okay? Now, this is actually Jesus speaking. Watch this. John 14, Jesus says, the spirit of truth, he's the spirit of truth, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And this is what we say today. People are confused. We don't see see him or know him. But Jesus says, you know him for he lives with you and in you. Now notice the language here. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees. It's okay, you can. Nor knows. But you will know for lives with you and will be in you. So this is not some force somewhere. This is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Now, the reason it's so important for us to know that he is a him is because if you see him as not some mystical force, but an actual person, you'll relate to him totally differently. Another misconception we have of the Holy Spirit is that he's weird. He makes people do weird things. Some people have portrayed him as weird. And I know that there have been some weird things that have taken place and people have attached these things to the person of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. We're we're all weird sometimes, just to be honest. People get weird, but the Holy Spirit is not weird. And sometimes people do weird things. They act weirdly and they do things that, honestly, if I could be very honest, sometimes it was just for them to draw attention to themselves. In fact, anytime that you see somebody or hear somebody doing something in a worship service during worship that draws attention away from God and onto them, you're like, what is that? That's not the Holy Spirit. It could be somebody in the congregation or it could even be somebody on the stage that's overperforming and drawing attention to themselves and not reflecting that attention to God. It's distracting from him. That is somebody being weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird, Okay. All right, it was all about them, and it doesn't represent the Holy Spirit well, okay? Now, I grew up, my parents and I grew up in a culture that had two different groups that talked about the Holy Spirit, all right? One group, they never wore makeup, and, and women could never wear pants, and, and, so they, and then there was the other side that wore way too much makeup, and they ran around and rolled in the floor and stuff. And we get these preconceived notions based upon what people have done, not what the Bible says. 
And I just want us to think through and understand that according to the Bible, he's not weird. In fact, he told the disciples, he said, I know you guys want me to stay, but you'll do much better if I leave and he comes. Most of us today, we believe the opposite. Man, if Jesus was here, if he would just show up, he could, you know, we could sit at his feet and he could teach us and wouldn't that be amazing? And, you know, Jesus walking around, doing miracles, raising dogs from the dead and stuff. I mean, that'd be cool. Jesus says, no, he's not weird. He's good and it's good that he comes. In John 16, this is Jesus talking again. He says, uh, it is for your good that I'm leaving. They're all wanting him to stay. And he's like, and he says, no, unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go, then I'll send him to you. So he says, first of all, he's good. You're gonna want him. It's good that he comes. So he's not an it, he's a him, he's not weird. Another misconception that we have about the Holy Spirit is that there's God the Father, God the Son, but then the Holy Spirit isn't as much God as the other two. In other words, in our mentality, the way we treat him, we don't actually consider him God sometimes. I mean, we know he's part of the Trinity, right? But we don't treat him like he's part of the Trinity. Some people feel real comfortable with God the Father. Right, because we got something to relate to when it says Father, and then Jesus the Son. We understand that, you know, from a human perspective, you know, He came. We have stories about Him, but this idea about the Holy Spirit, man, that's a whole different category. We know the Father's real, we know the Son's real, but this Holy Spirit, sometimes it's some He's hard to relate to, and. I want you to understand that he is God. He is part of the Trinity. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you one example, okay? In Acts, there's a lot, but I want to to tell you about Acts 5. Peter says to this guy in Ananias, he says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to, they lied to the disciples, they lied about what they were giving. He says, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you haven't lied to just man, you lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God, okay? Now, you've been, some of you have been warned about Holy Spirit churches, all right? Now, with what I just taught you, listen to what they're saying. Don't go over to that church, they talk about God over there. Better watch out, that's one of them God churches one of them Holy Spirit churches. I think if the Holy Spirit was a man, he'd be offended by that. It's like, hey, whoa, hey, I'm God too. Look, Matthew 28, verse 19 says, therefore, this is Jesus, go in, in and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We gotta understand that he is as much of God as God the Father and God the Son. And we're gonna see in a moment what his unique role is so you can relate to him, okay? So the question then becomes, so if these are all misconceptions of things that we didn't understand maybe, that leads us to two different questions, okay? Well, so who is he? And secondly, what does he do? What is his role in my life, like personally, day to day? So we're gonna start with this first question, all right? And in order to answer that question, we go to a letter 
that, uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in an area called Corinth, okay? And so he's writing to Christians, okay? Believers, followers of Jesus, and they have believed in him and they've surrendered their life to him, okay? And he says this to them. He kind of, <clears throat> he forms his sentence backwards and he talks about three different uh, people, the Godhead, I'm gonna, spoiler alert, that he wants to be with all of you. Okay, and watch this. This is how he says it. He says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus. The amazing grace. He wants us to have the grace of Jesus. Why the grace of Jesus? Well, grace is simply you being given something you didn't deserve. He's wanting you to have the grace. He's wanting for the grace of Jesus to be with you, the price he paid on that cross for you. Then the extravagant love of God. When he's talking about God there, he's talking about the loving Father, that he wants to be with you, that he wants you to experience that and understand that it's not just love of God, it's extravagant love of the Father. It is, the Father's love is so overwhelming, you have no idea. Listen, he gave his only son, he let him die so that I could know him. That's extravagant. Look, I love you guys, I love you more than you know but my love for you is not that extravagant. I'm not gonna let people kill my son Josiah so we can get to know each other. But God did. Extravagant. And Paul's saying, I want you to understand the grace of the son Jesus, the extravagant love of the father. And watch this. Then he talks about the Holy Spirit, but watch how he describes the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to have and experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he, he, gave, he gave us grace and paid for our sins. And the father was extravagant with his love and giving his son. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here for the, here's the reason he's here, to be an intimate friend. And this is what I want you to go home with today. If you don't hear anything else, this is what I want you to go home with. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? The Holy Spirit, he wants to be your intimate friend. Say that again. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to be your intimate friend. What do you think of when you think of intimate friends? We've all had acquaintances and frenemies, but... We've all had best friends too at some point. This is what the third person of the Trinity, this is who he wants to be to us, to be our best friend, our intimate friend. You see, <clears throat> when you believe that Jesus is the son of God, he rose again, paid for your sins, and then you surrender your life to him, you follow him, he designed it to where we will never ever be alone. It was so important to God the Trinity that one of them would always walk with us as an intimate friend, that we're never alone. Could you imagine somebody that goes everywhere with you, never annoying, always with you, for you, somebody you could always talk to? But the main thing that I want you to get today is that his role, who is he? His role in your life is that of an intimate friend. I don't know what the world has told you, what the enemy has told you about how mean and, and mad at, that God is of you. No, he loves you with an everlasting love and you need to know that. 
But until we see him face to face, I need some help here on earth. Okay? And so here is, uh, here is my prayer is that out of the three, I believe God wants you to be the closest with your intimate friend. But sometimes he's the one that we ignore. I want you to have a relationship with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's the answer to the first question. Who is he? Right? That's who he is. The second question I want to answer for you is what would he do? Like if I got close to him, like what would he do? Right? I mean, I've heard some crazy stuff. I mean, do I have to put my hair in a bun? Do I have to get a tambourine? You know, what, what, is, what does that mean? Do I drop on the floor and roll around? What does it mean? And look, I understand there's been excesses. Okay? I just want to read the Bible. Can we do that? No preconceived ideas, clean slate. And if you look, you'll discover that Jesus gives us a couple things that the Holy Spirit will do in our life as our intimate friend. Now, I want to give you some background. John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and they have the Last Supper. Okay? So we know that's the Thursday night before he would go to the cross on that Friday. So they have the Last Supper. Jesus knows he's going to get crucified and then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he gets, gets arrested to take him to trial and kill him. And somewhere between the Last Supper and the Garden where he gets arrested, there's a discussion. And it either happened in the place where they had the Last Supper or where they're walking to the Garden, we don't know. But there is this discussion. And John gives us the discussion. It's three chapters. And here's what's interesting. He's going to tell his disciples one last thing. He's on his way to the cross and he knows it. This is the last discussion he's going to be able to have with his disciples before he's crucified. And this would have been one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, that he tells them before he is crucified, before he goes to the cross. Now watch what he talks about. It's all about, guess who? The Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's role in their life will be. It was so important. So... Here we go. John 14, 16. This is Jesus talking. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, God the Father. He says, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to ask God the Father to give you another advocate. Now, this word advocate, keep that in mind. It, it's an advocate that will be with you forever. Now, in the Greek, the original language, that word literally means somebody who has a calling to stand right beside you all the time what that means. One who's called, his purpose is to be beside you. And this Greek word they actually used in literature in the time of the Bible, and it was used for a person who, if you were carrying something like a log, it was the other person that would pick up the other end and carry it with you. This is the Holy Spirit. He's not just for church services. He wants to be with you all the time, helping you carry your load. And Here's the thing is, when you surrender your life to Jesus and you follow him, the Holy Spirit, that's how you get the Holy Spirit, he comes on the inside of you and he's with you right now. When you leave here, he's gonna be with you. He's gonna be with you and in you. And Jesus says, I want to send somebody. A lot of translations use the word uh, helper, counselor, intercessor um, for this word advocate. The King James uses the word comforter. That's awesome. He wants to comfort you by your side. He's the only one of the three that is called to be by your side. The Father is heaven. Jesus is not in your heart. He's by the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one that lives in your heart. That's what the Bible says about it. 
All right, here's, the, here's something else. John 14, the conversation continues. And he says, but the advocate, he's talking about, of course, the Holy Spirit, who the Father is gonna send in my name, what's he gonna do? He's gonna teach you all things and will also remind you of the things that Jesus said. So it, this is what comes to, this is how the disciples wrote the Bible. The gospels, they didn't write it for years and years and years, sometimes decades later, the Holy Spirit reminded them of everything that Jesus said. Isn't that cool? He will reveal the Bible to you. The term we use is revelation, reveal revelation. If you've read the Bible for any period of time, you've read something over and over and over, and then you read it one time and you're like, oh, it opens up, it opens up a whole nother layer. And here's what happens is that spiritual thing that's called revelation, that happens. That's when the Holy Spirit turns a light on inside of you and you're like, I get it. I get how it applies to me. It's called revelation. And by the way, it's when that happens, when that happens, that's when the power of the scripture works in you. You don't wanna just read it and go, well, I did my one-year Bible reading for the day. No, you want revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit in, in, in the word of God and power is attached to that and it becomes fulfilled in your life. This is why the Holy Spirit is interested in you because he wants you to read the Bible and he is going to be the decoder ring for the Bible and you're gonna like, oh, this is how it works. So when we read the word, when we read the Bible, that's why we pray beginning of every service, make it come alive to us, God, that we're always changed. This is why we do the one-year Bible. If you're new, you don't know what I'm talking about. Every year, we have a one-year Bible reading plan. I've been doing this for years. And if you read 15 to 20 minutes of the Bible every day, you can finish the Bible every year. And there's a bunch of us that have done that. If you wanna jump in with us, you can do it anytime. Just go to the lwc.org slash one-year Bible and it'll, you'll get there. So if you're a believer and you've laid down your life for him, you followed him, you surrendered to him, the Holy Spirit will make the Bible come alive to you, okay? Now, the next thing that the Holy Spirit does, and, and, here, and we need this, whether you think you do or not, and that's what he will convict me of sin. Now, I don't like this anymore. But listen, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The devil, the enemy will be in condemnation. Look what you did. The Holy Spirit is different. He's not frustrated with you. He convicts you. That means he points you to the way of life. In other words, he wants to re, ever had to redirect a child? He wants to redirect us to the way of life, okay? This is not a negative term, it's a positive term. He wants to show us a better way. All of us wanna know a better way. There's some things in my life that aren't working, I wanna know a better way. Well, the Holy Spirit inside of us, he's there to convict us. Hey, don't go there, uh, don't do that. Ah, there's a better way. That's what he wants to do. He wants to convict you and say, ah, 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 ah. That's hot, that'll burn you. You don't need that. The Holy Spirit, sometimes he'll give us, we, if you ever heard anybody say, I got a check in my spirit. That's, that's, that's like church talk for like, oh, I was convicted, directed. The Bible says Satan masquerades, he hides sin. He doesn't say, hey, look, sin, it's gonna destroy your life. Come and enjoy. No, he hides behind this cloud of, hey, you're gonna enjoy this. This is gonna be good. This is gonna feel good if you can say that to that person. It's gonna feel good if you post that. We need the Holy Spirit going, ah, 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 ah. 
That's his voice most of the time in my life. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Isaiah says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. He's saying, I will point you in those directions. I'll keep you from trouble. And here's something else he does. In John 16, 13, the conversation goes on. He says, but when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Want to know what's true? He will guide you with all truth. He will not speak on his own what he, uh, speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Isn't that cool? We can know what's to come. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of like Christian witchcraft prediction medium kind of a thing, okay? I'm saying when you're making a decision, when I got to make a decision, he will give you a peace or lack of peace or a direction. Maybe you're looking at who to marry. Maybe you're looking at what job to take, what school to go to. He's going to give you guidance. He's going to give you a peace in your spirit. Sometimes you make bad decisions and he'll help you get back on track. And you'll get to where you recognize his voice, that peace. And if you let the Holy Spirit, he will guide you through life. Because he, that's what he's supposed to do is he's supposed to guide you in all truth. All right. So this is the last thing for today. And it's actually the most important. Okay. Watch this. The conversation continues. So when the advocate comes who I will send you from the Father. He keeps saying that he's coming from the Father. It's okay to trust him. He said, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In other words, the Holy Spirit is gonna show people Jesus. Just like he helps the lights come on in scripture for, for believers and followers, he is going to help you share Jesus with others. That sounds scary, doesn't it? but it's not. In fact, I think this is his main function. This is actually his main function. And that's that he wants to empower Jesus' followers to be effective at their very mission. Your mission on this earth is not just to survive. I know it feels like it sometimes. It's not just to make money, survive at school or survive at work or just come to church once a week or, you know, or, or even be healed. Or it is all those things, but so that we can do one main thing. And that's win people to Jesus. Because my friend, heaven and hell are realities. And the Holy Spirit's concerned about that. Now, listen, the people have made the Holy Spirit primarily about other things. But I'm telling you, it's misguided. When you think it's all about what we call the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, I think to focus on the gifts of the Spirit as opposed to the mission of the Spirit, see, it's a means to an end, I think that's, that's a problem. In the early church, they didn't just have great church services. No, the Holy Spirit landed on them and thousands of people came to Christ. That was the Holy Spirit. It's, he is all about empowering the church and we have power, not so we can have some kind of spiritual entertainment for ourselves. No, the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we have a mission and can complete our mission to change the world. In fact, Later on in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to fall out all over the place and roll around. You need prayer claws. No. You're going to be my witnesses. Why did he say that? Because that's his main function. He wants to empower his church so that 
We can be witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. That's the city that they were in. Raleigh, Wake Forest. And then in Judea and Samaria, those were regions. It's kind of like North Carolina, the United States, and to the ends of the earth, our world. The purpose of church is not just for church people. It's so that we can come and organize ourselves in such a way and train ourselves in such a way and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can make a difference. We can become who God made us to be and therefore make disciples that will in turn make other disciples. In other words, so we can make disciple makers. This is our mission, to help other people grow spiritually. And my parents and I, we grew up in a movement where there were tons of people that could operate in the gifts of the spirit. They could pray in tongues, they could prophesy, all this stuff. But it seemed as though they missed the whole point of it because they were rarely, if ever, making disciples, leading people to Jesus and making disciples who then would lead other people to Jesus and make disciples. I'm telling you, the church missed it. And listen, there's all kinds of things in the church that are well-meaning. But if we're not careful, they'll pull us off into different tangents and nuances. Not things that are bad. Those aren't bad. Unless we try to make those things the main thing as opposed to what Jesus says is the main thing. And the whole reason the Holy Spirit came is to empower us. Yes, to empower us. Why? To make disciples who will make other disciples. To share our faith. To mentor other people in the faith. Because the main point of my life of your life, of this church, is to make disciple makers and to reach our city. And that's what we're gonna focus on because that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. So, who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person, not an it, he's not weird, that's us. He is God and he is the God that wants to be your intimate friend. So think about it for a minute. What would it be like if you're so aware of him? Every morning when we wake up, the first thing that you're aware of is that your friend is there. You say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And not only is he with you, because he's with you whether you're aware of him or not, but you're aware of him. So many times we ignore him, we forget. Our friend. And when you go to read the Bible, don't... Don't read it because Pastor Micah told you to. You read it expecting the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal revelation to you, to help things make sense to you so you can make sense of the world around you. So many people, so many of us can't make sense of the world around us. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal the scriptures to us to lead us and guide us. What would that be like to have that kind of friend, intimate friend who would guide you and walk with you, encourage you, comfort you, to give you that check every now and then. Ah, 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 ah. That conviction, don't, don't flirt there. Uh-uh. What would it be like to have somebody, you know, and, and for you to have the words to say when you wanted to share life and you wanted to share Jesus with somebody else and the Holy Spirit was there to lead you and nudge you and give you the words? This is the Holy Spirit that is our intimate friend. And so the next logical question becomes, how do I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? How am I led by the Holy Spirit? What does it sound like? How do I know that that's not just me, that's, that's actually God or God forbid, what if that's the devil? How 
do I hear his voice? Well, to answer that question, you're going to have to come back next week for part two of our series, Third Person. <laughs> Would you stand with me?